0: Before I begin my message this morning, uh, just a reminder that if you have not yet uh, had the opportunity to complete the Stand in the Gap uh, pledge card, we invite you to do so. There are copies of this in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, You can complete that today and place it in the offering plate later, Uh, or if you want to take it with you, uh, please bring it back by next Sunday, December 3rd. As of today, we have, we're about halfway to our goal in terms of pledges toward uh, achieving our goal. And we would just encourage everyone to participate in the Stand in the Gap campaign for the sake of our joint ministry. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, on this Christ the King Sunday, teach, it, teach us what it means that you are our king and that we are members of your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, grace to you and peace from the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, this is a rather unique Sunday in the church year. It's the very last Sunday of the church year. It sometimes is known as the Sunday of the Fulfillment, where we emphasize the fact that the fulfillment of God's plan is coming. That is a reference to the last things. Jesus is going to come in power and glory one day and this world will be brought to an end. And on that final day, we will enter heaven with our glorified bodies. We look forward to that last day. But this is also known as Christ the King Sunday. And so today we're going to explore this idea of Christ being a king. We're going to ask, you know, what is meant by the kingdom of God anyway? We hear that phrase often in the Bible. What is meant by the kingdom of God? And if Jesus is a king, what does that mean for you and me? So we're going to explore in what sense is Jesus Christ a king? You know, today in our modern Western society, the idea of kings and kingdoms are less familiar to us. There are probably only a handful of true monarchies in the world yet today. Uh, most royalty today are national figureheads at best. But now having said that, aren't we all just a little bit curious as to who will be the next king of England, we're all kind of curious about how that's going to go over the course of time. But we do learn about kings and kingdoms mostly from history, including biblical history. And we do see the remnant evidences of past kingdoms. For example, the pyramids near Cairo give a silent testimony to the dynasties of the ancient Egyptian pharaohs who ruled the world back in their day. And even some of those pharaohs are referred to in the Bible. Or the Great Wall of China is evidence of past empires in the Far East, many of which clashed at different times in the course of Oriental history. The Colosseum in Rome stands as proof that Roman emperors once ruled the known world, including the world of the New Testament age, the golden age of Rome, the Pax Romana. And the castles of Europe are monuments to kings and kingdoms that have come and gone. But on this last Sunday of the church year, this day is set aside to highlight the fact that there is one king whose kingdom will never end, whose rule will last for all eternity. In the Old Testament reading, the prophet Daniel spoke about that king when he said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed." St. John identifies who that king is in Revelation chapter 1 when he said, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So let's say it clearly. Jesus Christ is king over all kings. Jesus Christ is lord over all lords, ruler over all rulers. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never come to an end. So we shouldn't be all that surprised then that so much of Jesus' teaching was about the nature of the kingdom of God. When he would tell his parables... One of his unique ways of teaching his disciples and others various points. He would often start with, the kingdom of God is like, and then he would use an object to make the point. The kingdom of God may be compared to, and then he would make, give some unique insight about the nature of the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting, too, that when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray and gave them his special prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, he included that second petition, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. When I think of the word kingdom, which is sometimes a little bit hard to get a grasp of, I I also tend to think of the word kingship, kingship. And it reminds me that kingdom is talking about where God rules and how God rules, where Jesus rules and how Jesus rules as king. When we talk about the kingdom or kingship of God, we recognize that it's a threefold kingdom. Let's explore this for a few minutes. First of all, there is the kingdom of power. That is, by his power, God spoke the universe into being. He said, let there be, and there was, and the universe came to be. And by his power, Christ rules that universe. In Psalm 103, 19, it says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. The kingdom of power is kind of a way of referring to the created world around us. And therefore, we would say every human being lives in the kingdom of power, God's created world. You could refer to it as the civil realm. And within the civil realm, God has, for example, given government, the power and the right to govern by justice in this kingdom of power. That's one aspect of God's kingdom. On the other end of the spectrum, you might say, is the kingdom of glory. To say it simply, it's a reference to heaven itself. It's what often people think of when you say kingdom of God. They think of heaven immediately. Well, the kingdom of glory is that place by which Christ rules in his glory. Christ, the second person of the Godhead, left the kingdom of glory. That's what we're about to celebrate a month from now. And he entered into this humble world in the form of a human baby. And he came into this world to redeem this world. He came into this world to die for the people of this world. And he rose again and returned to his kingdom of glory precisely to prepare a place for all of his followers. And, of course, as his followers, through faith in Jesus as our Savior, we look forward to that kingdom of glory that awaits us. St. Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We look forward to that heavenly kingdom that is ours by grace. In Philippians 3, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this last Sunday of the church here, being the last Sunday, reminds us that the last things are coming, that the end of this world is approaching. We don't know when, we don't know how soon, but we know that it's coming. Revelation 1, 7, and 8, John tells us, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It makes the point when we think about the kingdom of glory that there will be a day of reckoning, if you will. And those who mocked and rejected Jesus Christ in this life will be held accountable for their unbelief. But for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have nothing to fear, for that last and glorious day is going to be the greatest day of joy and victory, for it is the day when we enter body and soul eternally into that heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of glory. Revelation twenty two twenty says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And so in the Lord's prayer, when we pray, Thy kingdom come, one thing we are praying for is that the kingdom of glory might come soon. We're also with those words, thy kingdom come, we are also praying that here and now another aspect of Christ's kingship may be realized among us, and that is the kingdom of grace. The kingdom of grace that really lies between the kingdom of power on the one hand and kingdom of glory on the other. The kingdom of grace that is among us right now. You see, not only does Jesus rule the universe by his power, and not only does he rule in heaven by his glory, Jesus also rules and reigns in the hearts and the lives of people who believe and trust in him as their savior. He rules there by his grace, by his forgiving love, by his mercy. Mark records some of the first words Jesus spoke. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. He was referring to this kingdom of grace. The fact that he desired to rule and reign in the hearts and lives of every human being by his grace. And he says, repent and believe the good news. And friends, that good news would be given its fullest expression on a hill just outside of Jerusalem where Jesus Christ would show the depths of his grace, his mercy, and his love for people as he would give his very life on a cross for you and me. And by his death, he accomplishes the forgiveness of our sins. To all who trust and believe in him, He rules in in our hearts by that grace and mercy. By that cross, we have a, a clear gateway into the kingdom of grace. And we are now citizens of that kingdom. To the Colossians, Paul wrote, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, friends, you are in the kingdom of grace. And he rules in your heart by that grace. In Luke 17, it says this, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you by God's grace. And by the cross and the empty tomb, we enter that kingdom of grace so that ultimately the cross also becomes then the gateway into the kingdom of glory, Heaven, which awaits us. In Martin Luther's small catechism, he provided these wonderful explanations to each petition of the Lord's Prayer. And he explains this petition, Thy kingdom come, with these words. He says, The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may come to us also to us personally. He asked the question, how does God's kingdom come? And he answers it this way. God's kingdom comes when our heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. So on this Christ the King Sunday, what is the big takeaway for us? What is the big thing to learn about Christ being our king? I think the practical takeaway is this. I want to challenge you to live as kingdom people, to not live as people who are merely residents of this earth, earthbound, earth bound, earth focused, Earth-centered but rather to live as citizens of the kingdom of glory, citizens and members of the kingdom of grace, and, yes, citizens of the kingdom of power as well. Live as kingdom people. That means believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your king. And then, as a follower of the king, honor the king by the way you live in everything you say and do and think, let it all be to the honor and glory of your king. I think it's no mistake that Jesus included the third petition right after the second one. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For in that petition, we're basically saying, may what you want to be done be done in me. Thy kingdom come in me, thy will Be done in me. I don't play a whole lot of cards, but in a deck of cards, my favorite card is the King of Hearts. Because it reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me that He, too, desires to be the King of every person's heart, He's the true King of Hearts. He desires to rule in every heart of every person by his love and by his grace. You see, friends, Jesus gave his life so that you may be in his kingdom forever. Will you let him be king of your heart? Thy kingdom come, Lord Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we gather the offerings for the Lord's work. Would you also place your name and other information in the black registration booklet in the pew and pass that to your neighbor, please? I invite you to stand for the service of the sacrament, which continues on page 194 in the hymn book, if you're using the hymn book. Page 194.
1: The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is meet and right so to do.
0: It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation humbled himself, by leaving his place of glory and taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy
1: are full of thy glory, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name.
0: forever and ever amen our lord jesus christ on the night in which he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks he broke it gave it to his disciples and said take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
1: The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
0: Friends, I invite you to stand as we sing the Nunc Dimittis found on page 199 in the hymn book.
1: Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared for the face of all people, a light to lighten the gent- It was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Oh give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever.
0: We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
1: be with you bless we the Lord thanks be to God the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you
2: I'm not